Good morning. Let's begin with prayer. Oh Lord, you have called us to enter your kingdom through the narrow door. Guide us by your word and spirit and lead us now and always into the feast of your son, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Let all God's people say amen. In my vocation, with the set of responsibilities that the Lord has given to me in his church, I do a fair amount of reading. I think I do a lot of reading. I, lead, I read uh, mission board reports every single month. I read executive committee of the mission board minutes every single month. I read the word of God for Bible study and for sermons. I read commentaries on the Bible. I read theological journals. I read pastor's conference papers. I read a lot of theology, but I don't read for pleasure. Um, I just don't. Maybe if and when the Lord lets me retire, <laughs> that's a good joke, I might be able to read for pleasure. But one of the stories that I absolutely love to read for pleasure, and I haven't read it for a long time, but I really like the story, is the story of Alice in Wonderland. And one of the more comical scenes in that story of Alice in Wonderland is the scene of Alice approaching the cat that likes to disappear and reappear just to mess with people's minds. And she asks this cat, would you tell me please which way I ought to go from here? Well, that depends a good deal on where you want to go, said the cat. I don't much care where, said Alice. Then it doesn't matter which way you go, said the cat. But brothers and sisters in Christ, it does matter. It matters where we go from here. It matters a lot. You and I are on a journey. And what does not matter is whether we are Jew or Greek or Sudanese or German, whether we are slave or free or in between, whether we are male or female or binary or something else, right, non-binary or whatever gender it is that you don't want to be. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor, whether you're male or female, whether you're pastor or parishioner. Each and every single one of us are along with every other human being on this planet on a pilgrimage from here to eternity. The question is, which eternity? Everlasting pain or eternal happiness and joy? Are you gonna take the wide road that leads to hell? Or are you gonna take the narrow door that Jesus talks about this morning that leads to heaven? As the son of a carpenter, according to his human nature, as the son of God, according to his divine nature, I think it is safe for us to be able to presume that Jesus knew a thing or two about doors. He knew how to measure them, he knew how to construct them, he knew how to install them, how to plumb them. They're not as easy to, as they look to install, I tell you, from firsthand experience. So he takes this picture of a door, this common everyday object 
that you and I use dozens of times a day, and he engages us in this deeply spiritual, very personal conversation this morning that we could very easily label some really straight talk about a narrow door. So we meet up with Jesus this morning as he makes his way to Jerusalem, the city where he would lay down his own life to redeem this world, to rescue this world from the sins that would condemn it. And he is in an unnamed place where an unnamed person, a male, we can tell from the gender of the pronouns, raises their voice above the crowd and shouts out to Jesus, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? Now, the person asked a simple yes or no question, correct? Yes. Do you think Jesus could just give them a simple yes or no answer? Absolutely not. Jesus never gives an absolutely simple answer. In fact, most of the times, he answers a question with a question. And what he does here is he forces this man and the crowd that is listening in to ask himself a question. Not how many, but how about me? How can I be sure that I am going to be saved? And he prompted that question in them by saying to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Make every effort. Does that sound very Lutheran to you? Doesn't sound very Lutheran to me. Make every effort. It makes it sound like Jesus is encouraging you and me that the way that we gain heaven is by slogging and straining and struggling in order to fit our way through that narrow door that leads to that heavenly bliss, that heavenly place. But that's not at all in keeping with how the Bible talks about salvation being a free gift, is it? So what exactly does Jesus mean here when he says, make every effort? Well, he's certainly not promoting an alternate path to heaven. Obviously not. What he means is make every effort to struggle and to strain and to strive against your old sinful flesh and against the temptations of that ancient foe, the devil. Look, the problem is that people who have a sinful nature are more prone to rebel than to repent. And even we, who are saints who still sin, have our moments of rebellion, right? The old ancient foe is constantly working, especially on you, to try to convince you that you do not need Jesus, that you can somehow make it on your own by your own striving, straining, and struggling, albeit ever so little bit that detracts from the glory of Christ. And then when there are lulls in the attacks from Satan, this world in which we live in is oh so happy to step right into the void made by Satan taking an exit for just a little bit. And it works very hard to convince you to trade in the narrow door, Jesus, and adopt the door of power, the door of prosperity, the door of popularity, the door of plenty of money right? All with the goal of getting you 
to get your eyes off the prize of heaven and get you to focus your eyes on, yes, you got it, on you and your prosperity and your power and your plenty. For those of you here who don't know this, consider yourself told after today. You need to be a lean, mean, sin-forgiven, gospel-made, Jesus-made machine in order to get through the narrow door of heaven. And only Jesus can give you that. And only his spirit, who can abide in your heart, can convince you that this Jesus is the narrow road to heaven, the only way to heaven. And only God the Father, only God the Father can lead you to repent of all those times that you wanted to go it alone and do it by yourself and leave Jesus on the, on the sidelines. Jesus tells us, once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, sir, open the door for us. Brothers and sisters in Christ, our Lord is extremely patient. He's overly patient. But even our Lord, our God, has limits to his patience, right? Our God will put up with an awful lot from us, but second place is not one of them. Somewhere along on this journey, this pilgrimage of yours from here to eternity, you reject God, you ignore God, you replace God with other priorities that are more important to him, your time is going to come when your time of grace is done. And that door is going to be slammed shut because you traded in the narrow door called Christ for the wide door of power, the wider door of prosperity and plenty, the even wider door of pleasure and plenty of money. Then you will say, we ate and drank with you and you taught in our streets. But he will, he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, all you evildoers. It doesn't matter if you've known Jesus since your birth. It doesn't matter if your great-great-great-grandfather helped build the foundation of this building. It doesn't matter if your brother is a Lutheran pastor. What matters is your relationship with Jesus personally and intimately on your own. There are no excuses when your time of grace comes to an end. Either you are one of his sheep or you are not, right? Strong words, I understand that, but Jesus isn't finished yet, he goes on. There will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves thrown out. Don't get me wrong. Our triune God is the most inclusive God that there is. He wants all people to be, saved, to be saved. I brought to a knowledge of the truth. But the exclusivity of Jesus as the only way to heaven is this constant refrain that is pounded again and again and again in the scriptures. Listen, I am the gate, he said of himself. Whoever enters through me will be saved, John 10. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, Jesus said, John 14. 
Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it, Matthew 7. Jesus is coming on strong here because he doesn't want anyone to miss the point and he doesn't want anyone to misunderstand that the final eternal consequences of souls is at stake here. Jesus does not want a single soul to be left outside the gates of heaven when this world is brought to an end or when your life is called home. You think that you have plenty of time. You're in the prime of your health. Oh yeah, you're gonna turn 65 this, this January, but you got plenty of time. You think your friends and your relatives and your neighbors, they have plenty of time. Kevin Roshan thought that he had plenty of time. Two days shy of his 52nd birthday, the Lord called him home through cancer. The difference between Kevin Roshan and most of the rest of the world whose time runs out is that Kevin Roshan definitely understood the story about the narrow door and who his savior from sin, death, and hell was. So Jesus' tone is urgent here this morning. His tone is urgent because he wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. And then he goes into this verse where he says, people will come from east and west and north and south and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. How does he fulfill that prophecy? You. He uses you to fulfill that prophecy. You know, I realize most of us absolutely love a really good world mission story where we're told about people in a certain country where our missionaries are at work, and thousands and thousands of people are flocking to the gospel and being brought into the church through the word of God and just loving on Jesus and giving up their, their former idolatrous ways. People absolutely love stories like that. And that's great that you love stories like that. But how about a little bit closer to home? When was the last time you had a narrow door conversation with someone? What about all those narrow door conversations that you can have with those people that you know, your friends, relatives, your neighbors, your coworkers, who think that they have plenty of time. I'm gonna share a story with you. Wednesday, many of us gathered over at St. Luke's for the funeral of Carl Kiffner's mother, Judy. It's not the practice here at St. Paul to have eulogies. Eulogy is from the Greek word oilagos, which means good words. And usually the good words are about the dearly departed, and it totally counteracts the law and gospel sermon that's just been preached. And it usually turns into an emotional tear field. I can barely get through this disaster. St. Luke's has the practice of allowing a member of the family to get up and speak. And Carl took the opportunity. Yes, he said some very nice things about his mom, namely, that his mother was always, always, consistently, always looking of how she could serve other people. Carl knew that the people in that funeral service were not all Christians. Carl knew that they needed to hear about the narrow door. And he said to them, 
Since my mom was always so concerned about other people, she would not want you going home from here not knowing who your savior from sin, death, and hell is. I think I'm summarizing that pretty well, Carl. Pretty close. He was brilliant. He was brilliant. But more importantly, I was so proud of him as a brother in Christ because he seized the moment to bring glory to his Savior, Jesus, for all the souls that were in that service, including members of his own family, who did not know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Brilliant, Carl. Brilliant. I realize there's an awful lot of personalities in this congregation of ours. Some of you are very gregarious and outgoing, and you could walk up to anybody and strike up a conversation. And there are others of you who are a little bit more reserved, not at all outgoing. In fact, you're not sure that you even like people that much. I'm going to encourage you today to make every effort, to make every effort to struggle and strain and strive in order to fit your personality into a conversation about the narrow door with someone that you know needs to hear about this narrow door Jesus, which is the only way to truth and life of heaven. You see, I get it. I understand that the Holy Spirit works when and where it pleases him. But it pleases him, the scriptures tell us, it pleases him to bless his word when it is used with, by making every effort. Jesus' half-brother said it himself. He said, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. So Jesus wraps up his story here with these words. Indeed, there are those who are last who will be first, and first who will be last. But as scary as that statement sounds, there is a promise buried in there, a glorious gospel-filled promise. You and I were once last. You and I were once enemies of God. You and I were once separated from our Heavenly Father, but he had compassion on us, and he came to us, and he shared with us some straight talk about a narrow door so that when our days are through, we too can hear him say to us, welcome to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. Glory be to Jesus, who in bitter pains poured for me and you his lifeblood from his sacred veins so that we could have that. Mount Zion. Go and make every effort to share the story of the narrow door this week. I'll go do it on another part of the world. Blessings upon your efforts in his name. Amen. Please stand.